This is Jackie Rawls, President of the International Federation of Nurse Anesthetists. The International Federation of Nurse Anesthetists World Congress is on. Shebenik, Croatia, May 2nd through 5th, 2022. www.wcna2022.org. Today's episode of Beyond the Mask is presented by the insurance specialists at BrightThink Wealth Strategies. Find the disability insurance coverage that fits you best right now. Email Robert Smith at rsmithjr at financialguide.com. The show is also made possible by the team at CRNA Financial Planning. Get a free consultation today to be guided through the complexities of investing and financial planning. Just visit crnafinancialplanning.com. We'd also like to thank Helping Hands and OSA EMR for their support of the show. And don't forget, listening to our podcast can earn you Class B credits. For more information on how you can submit them, check out the CE Credit tab on our website, beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Welcome to Beyond the Mask, innovation and opportunities for CRNAs with Jeremy Stanley and Sharon Pierce. We know you spend your day caring for your patient's best interests. On our show, we want to care for you. Join us as we leave the operating room and learn the latest in the CRNA industry. Beyond the Mask starts in 10, 9, 8, 7. Welcome to Beyond the Mask. I'm Jeremy Stanley, and I've been working with CRNAs for over 23 years, and I'm married to one. And my co-host is... Sharon Pierce. Sharon's a practicing CRNA for over 20 years, a past president of the ANA, the NCANA, and she's held many other leadership roles. As usual, our goal with every episode is to educate and enlighten CRNAs, and I think our topic today is definitely going to do that. And Sharon, what time is it? It's time to wake up, Jeremy. I think it is. Well, hello again, Dr. Pierce. Oh, well, at least you got it right this That's time. That's right. I got it right, you know. <laughs> I can do what I'm told, uh, that's as long it. as I'm told. Only you and Pierce have to call me Dr. Pierce. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome, Sharon. <laughs> oh, my Lord, is that, as uh, one of the speakers today said, uh, Appalachia. Whenever she Appalachia, said that, nice. I know. I'm like, she's not from around here. <laughs> Uh, well, it's great to be back at mid-year again. Of course, we've done several of these today, but uh, I think we got a really good one. We might have saved the best for one of the last. I think so. Yeah. So we have a wonderful person joining us today, Miss Jan Setner. Welcome, Jan. Hey, thank you. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, we're glad to have you here. And we're going to be talking today uh, about full practice authority in the Air Force and something you might have had a little bit to do with. I did. Yeah. So first for listeners who might not know you and know your background, tell a little bit about you and then we'll kind of jump into it. Um, So I'm from Virginia and I have been a CRNA for 24 years now. And um, I graduated from Old Dominion University in 98 and I was already in the Air Force at that time. And I was a flight nurse flying patients all over the world. And I was able to um, go to anesthesia school through the Air Force 
which was a wonderful opportunity and almost a choice. Um, in the military, for promotion, you do have to have an advanced degree. And I decided if I was going to have to suffer back through school, I was going to make money at the end of it. So <laughs> decided uh, being a CRNA was the way to go. And um, I haven't looked back since. Um, most of the time, I, uh, I continued with the flight, uh, flight nursing world for a while. And then they said, nope, got to go to anesthesia now. So went to Travis Air Force Base, uh, became part of their staff, also part of the adjunct faculty for training the CRNAs there. Um, I deployed with them to Afghanistan. I also had other opportunities for deployment, but that was probably my most memorable. After that, now I'm more senior in rank, and they said you have to put your big girl pants on and <laughs> do something different than anesthesia. So I was sent to what we call air staff, which is um, all senior members, and we do policy work. Oh, okay. Right up my alley. That yeah. is. Well, I can yeah. tell you that most people don't want to sit at a desk and read policy all day long. <laughs> um, but I was the um, advisor to the Air Force Surgeon General on all issues, advanced practice registered nursing. Um, and in the Air Force, we recognized 21 different practices. Um, and then I, my main focus, of course, was nurse anesthetist. And every couple of years, they do try to revamp all of the policies, um, regulations. They also call them now AFIs, Air Force Instructions. So building relationships is very important. So on my team, uh, my responsibility was the nursing part of it, advanced nursing. And one of my counterparts did the physician part of it, and we were very good friends, and he understood the world of nurse anesthesia quite well because I pounded it into him. And <laughs> That's as a good way to get it that done. Is, yeah. 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 Um, and his wife was a nurse, so she helped me pound a little bit. Um, but he did bring to my attention um, an Air Force instruction that had been signed off as good to go, and he was doing the final read-through, and being that we did have that relationship, he noted that there were some changes to the nurse anesthesia practice. And those changes were that we needed to have a physician signature now on all of our records, mm. that oh, any wow. assessment on ASA 2s and above needed a physician anesthesiologist or surgeon signature, wow. that any children two years and below needed to have signatures. Um, those were just some of the minor changes that they were making in there. But basically, they were putting us back into the bottle. And the reason they were looking at that for the Air Force, um, at this point, the other services had supervision removed from their regulations. But the Air Force was more conservative in their thinking, or they just didn't think about it because that wasn't the way we were practicing. When we were in the hospitals, they're called medical treatment facilities, the MTFs. In the MTFs, people practiced independently. People worked at CRNA-only hospitals. Um, they were in Korea in a CRNA-only hospital. And the closest anesthesiologist was in the telephone that you could call back in St. Louis if you had a question about something. Wow. So that was how they used supervision. But I can tell you that at that time, I'll bet you I can count on less than one hand how many people knew that there was this number to call because it was never used. And so nobody ever considered that supervision was an issue for us, but in fact it was written there. And so he was just enhancing what was written, but because we had this relationship on our team on understanding each other's jobs, he brought this to my attention. At the time, Carolyn McGrath was our Air Force um, CRNA representative for the advanced practice nurses, and she was brand new to it. And paying attention to what's going on. If you're not at the table, you're going to be part of the meal. And we were definitely getting ready to be eaten there. The, there was a change going on. Uh, Brian Coots was the outgoing um, CRNA 
Carolyn was the incoming CRNA. So the lovely anesthesiologist who was the anesthesia um, consultant said, here, I, the regs look the same as they did before. I'll just sign them and pass them on. And so um, neither of them were really aware of changes that were happening because they were told there were no changes. But um, when Do you think the one who was signing off really knew about <laughs> the changes? Or you think not? I mean, no, I don't believe Brian did. <clears throat> Brian's an amazing um, practitioner. He was our consultant. He was one of the Air Force instructors. He trained the nurses to be independent. I don't believe... I would never believe that he knew okay. of these changes. Okay. Um, and so um, he's he's an instructor now. He's a, um, I, I don't know if he's a program director or associate, but but no, he did not so know. So Brian is a... CRNA. Okay, no, I'm talking about... Oh, the doc? The doc. Of course he knew what okay, was going on. Okay, I just wanted to make sure. Yeah. I, I thought, uh-oh, He was somebody that was moving up the food chain in the ASA, uh, and um, the rumor... Where did he land? Where um, did he land? Did he move up the food chain? Oh, no, that, this killed him in the food chain. Oh, snap. Good I for know, you, Jan. Yeah. I'm and, so uh, proud of you. Yeah, he was working with uh, Wanda. Okay. So she knows who we're talking about here, mm. and I'm not going to ruin his name or reputation. But, okay. yeah, she but knew him, and um, he definitely not a CRNA-friendly kind of person. But, okay. Mm. But, yeah, he knew. He knew All exactly right. what he was doing. And, and the, the rumor at the time was um, the ASA felt that it was important to try to get the military C under, CRNAs back under control. Oh, yeah. Oh. Because you we got too big thumb. for your britches, yeah. well, because, as they um, say in the South. Yes. And, <laughs> and if you look at the AANA, we, we utilize the military model a lot. Sure. You know, they practice independently, and it's demonstrated every day. And so, um, again, going back to my mentor, who I said, we need to stop this. And she said, you need to stop this. And, <laughs> she, and you just smiled. Yeah, so, um, <laughs> so I had to write a, a justification why this wasn't a good thing. And um, she again said, put your big girl pants on because you have to go to the Surgeon General and tell him we're putting a critical stop to this instruction from going forward. So we essentially stopped it for the entire Air Force uh, Medical Corps because all of the physicians, all the providers were in this, this instruction. And they can't send part of it through without all of it going through. Oh, my and, uh, Wow. And so um, Carolyn McGrath, um, another colonel in the Air Force, um, she, excellent, sat down, we wrote it out. Um, and General Green was the Surgeon General at the time, and whose daughter just got accepted into nursing school. Huh? So um, he was willing to listen to what we had to say about the restriction of practice and how it was going to um, affect the hospitals and what it was going to do to the MTFs, not just locally, but worldwide. And so... It made sense what he said. You basically were going to have to have a meeting with the physicians, and you guys are going to have to sort it out. The other thing that we had in our favor were uh, many of the surgeons um, had spoken up about the fact, and they were really the ones who brought some of this to the forefront. They were asked to sign our records when there's no anesthesiologist there. So if you're on call at night and you do a surgery, um, at the end of the case, the surgeon that was with you had to sign your records that he basically supervised your anesthetic. Hmm. And um, so that was also an issue because many of the surgeons were saying, I, I know, know surgery. Yeah. yeah. And so it was a habit that they signed <coughs> it, but, the, but you know, ducks vote for ducks. And so the doctors were supporting each other and they're willing to sign this. Oh, I love that. Um, ducks vote for ducks. <laughs> and so, um, so they, um, that was the issue where they, they were not comfortable signing these and how were we going to fix this situation. And so um, what they did was it was a several month long process. Carolyn 
put together a team, and this team consisted of five CRNAs. Um, Alan Todd was on there, and he's now an instructor down in Florida. He's amazing. Oh, I know him. Um, Sandra Moore, um, uh, Amy Forrester, she's in Texas, Mary Jo Svita, Burley at the time, and... Um, we went down, they flew, they, for the first couple of months, we had to have telephone conversations with the anesthesiologist. Um, we each had a representative on the call, and there was um, an arbitrator that was brought into this, and the arbitrator before each call would give us the ROE, the rules of engagement, this is what you can talk about on this call. And so we um, laid out the ROE of what we were going to discuss and how we were going to move forward with it. And we wrote out the AFIs on how we each thought it should be. And then um, about three months into this, they flew the two teams down to San Antonio to the headquarters. And we had uh, a couple of attorneys. We had an arbitrator. We had uh, two credentialing specialists. Then we had members from their board of directors um, that were officiating this discussion. It was like detente. We each sat on opposite ends of the table um, mm -hmm. and we each had to introduce ourselves and what we wanted out of this. And I'll be honest with you, we did not go into this with the goal of full practice authority because we knew how the military, how our side of the military worked and we knew that, um, like I said, ducks vote for ducks and it was going to be a hard <laughs> battle. But we figured if we could get collaboration get supervision removed and make it a collaborative type practice that might be more palatable for everybody. And so um, we did mention full practice when one of the folks did, but um, it was, we want collaboration out of this and we don't want supervision and why. And we told them why. And the other side introduced themselves. There were four anesthesiologists and one of them, I loved it that um, Sean was on there because Sean Zar's father is a CRNA. And mm. so he was very willing to listen to what we had to say. And he was very open and he led all of his CRNAs practice to the full extent. So he's, Sean is an anesthesiologist. Yes. Okay. Who's, okay. He's on their team. He's, he's on, on their team. Their team. He's, <laughs> I should say he came with the anesthesiologist because he was a senior ranking anesthesiologist. Okay. They were all colonels, 06s that were there. Okay. okay. And his, you said his daddy was His a daddy was a CRNA. Oh, wow. Interesting. So, um, well, that's like Jackie Roll's son-in-law, an anesthesiologist, yeah. and I'm sure he's been trained in the way. <laughs> and and um, you know, we're hardwired to evidence-based practice, and so we gave reasons, rationale, evidence-based reasons on why. You know, Ralph Cole's bouncing around in my head right now. And you get evidence and <laughs> economics of mm -hmm. right. of why you want to see RNA and what we would bring to the table. And their answer was because they were physicians. That's why. That's it. That was it. I'm a physician. Well, I'm a physician. Well, you know, the hmm. the only person that line works for is because I'm your mother. I'm your mother. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. That's the only one that has any validity. Yeah. So they should have known that wouldn't yeah. fly right there. Wow. Um, the one thing, you know, the reason um, I'm doing what I'm doing with the region and the reason that I support AANA is um, Paul Santoro was uh, president at the time and, and Deb Molina was president-elect. And when this whole thing started, I called Deb and I, I think I literally heard her head explode. Um, you probably did. <laughs> um, and Paul basically told her to help us get what we needed. And uh, Frank Purcell called. And at first, we weren't getting much traction from the D.C. office until Frank got involved. And then we got a lot of action. Um, and it was amazing. Uh, they sat us down and ran us through various scenarios where questions could be asked and how questions might be asked and how some folks may be more aggressive than others and how to stand your ground. And Chris Betton was also significantly involved on how to speak and how to present yourself. 
And um, when we went to this meeting in San Antonio, we had them on speed dial. Um, they had legal and educators um, and clinicians at our fingertips. And so when we were asked a question, if we didn't know an answer or were unsure, one of us was texting them. We had answers. And so the AA, if, I don't think if we had that lifeline um, going on that we, um, we, we may not have been as successful as we were. But I, I'm telling you, 100% support. So um, it's like the Nordstrom Shoe Department. I know they're always going to have my size, and so I go there to buy my shoes. I know the AANA is always going to have my back. <laughs> and so, Well, so. what That's I'm good. hearing you say is whenever the AANA puts its weight behind an issue, that things happen. Yeah. Have you thought about what would happen if you weren't able to work for two or three years? You know, on average, 25% of people will file a disability claim, and most of us aren't prepared for that loss of income. Every CRNA needs to protect their biggest asset, yourself and your ability to earn with a disability insurance policy. We recommend contacting Robert Smith, a master disability insurance specialist with more than 30 years of experience and 1,800 CRNA clients to find the coverage that fits you best. The best way to do that is to send him an email at rsmithjr at financialguide.com. That's rsmithjr at financialguide.com. Or call him at 504-394-6557. Tell us more about the meeting itself. I mean, is there any good stuff? Well, it was Did really anybody get, like, scraped up or anything? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it was so. interesting. At, at the time Colorado put out this... Um, this ad, and it was their, their anesthesiologist, and I, I can't remember the exact quote, but it was something to the effect of someone in your family is going to die if um, the CRNAs are allowed to practice, if a nurse is allowed to give you anesthesia wow. unsupervised. I mean, it was something really ugly. Oh, I know. Ugly. You yes. know what I'm talking I, I, I about. I do know. It's the, it's the same MO they always do, just like when I was running for office. They sent out flyers. Sharon Pierce will kill veterans yeah no Did they really yes a national issue they brought oh down gosh. to district 81 in lexington, lexington north <laughs> carolina sharon pierce will kill veterans because she wants to allow nurses to give My gosh. anesthesia with wow. no physician and that's just not right <laughs> <laughs> If I'd have known that about you, Sharon, I, <laughs> I don't know if you'd be my friend. <laughs> well, it was interesting that one of the pediatricians that was sitting on, um, he's supposed to be an observer, jumped up out of his seat and picked that paper up and put it in front of the anesthesiologist. And he goes, do you agree with this? You know, do you, do you think that? And, and it, it was pretty fun watching him get all spun out. So um, what did the guy say? He just said, well, that's, we don't always support what they put out there, but we think that the CRNA, we believe they should be supervised. And so um, one interesting, another interesting fact was the other anesthesiologist that they brought. Now, this was um, a couple of years after I came back from deployment. And one of the other anesthesiologists they brought was one that was deployed with me. And I was his boss in Afghanistan because when we got on the airplane to fly over there, I had 14 years of anesthesia. And he had just taken his boards two weeks before we left. Oh, wow. And so we were joined at the hips most of the time over there because trauma wasn't his forte. And um, it was still 
knew. And so we worked very, very well together. And we had um, three anesthesiologists and two CRNAs and everybody, it was just such a great experience working together. And so when they said that, I just looked at my friend and I said, do Dave, do you believe this? Is that what you believe, that we need to be supervised? And I said, did, who did you say were your two strongest providers when we were in Afghanistan? And it was both the CRNAs, mm. who Krista, by the way, was somebody that was a student that I worked with earlier on. And she's there, and she's an amazing provider, and she's now one of the instructors out wow. there. And so um, it kind of took the wind out of his sail quite a bit. You know, nothing spoils a good story like an eyewitness. <laughs> and he was his own eyewitness. You know, he saw what we could do and he knew what our capabilities were. And so um, the surgeon that was talking saying, well, we have to come to a consensus on this. And he said, and, and the fact is, and, and the surgeon was at the time the head of that board. And um, he said that um, the reason we were meeting was because the surgeons, he was in Afghanistan with us and... Um, he said he didn't stop to ask who was giving his anesthesia that day. And when they brought the casualties in, he didn't stop to say, are you a CRNA or are you an MDA? You know, are you an Ollie or, or you know, wh who are you? He said 98% of our patients did amazing. You know, we have that success rate from the war of mm -hmm. the folks that were injured. 98% came home intact. And so he said, it's not up to us. It's up to you all to come to an agreement on how you want to handle this. But it had to be consistent. Huh. And so after a couple of days of going back and forth, um, it felt like we were going nowhere. And so we um, tried a different tact and we said, okay, you win. For consistency's sake, we will do what you want. We will work under um, the supervision clause that you want. And we said, but that means for the Air Force to meet the new requirements that you are putting out there, we're going to need something like, I, I think it was like 178 more anesthesiologists um, by October 1st. Because <laughs> all the facilities that only had CRNAs working in them were going to have to have at least two Ollies over there. All the facilities where the CRNAs became smart and talented, you know, after three nights, weekends, and holidays, they were no longer going to be able to do that. Um, CRNAs were no longer to be in-house call. So it was going to change the entire dynamics and practice of the entire Air Force worldwide. And um, <laughs> they said, well, no, we'll, just, we'll still have the physician signing it. And the physicians were saying, no, we don't want to sign and take responsibility for anesthesia. We don't do anesthesia. And so the bottom line is, and this is like the same thing in the VA, they can't accomplish that. That was not something that they could do. They didn't have enough anesthesiologists. There, there was no way they could make that work. You know? So if they want to do that, if they want to make that their practice model, then um, they were either going to have to shut down ORs, like 27 ORs were going to be shut completely down. Um, they were going to have to find these anesthesiologists somewhere. There weren't that many in the pipeline even at the time, you know, and how were they going to accomplish this? And so we once again pulled out the studies that talked about what we could do, what our abilities were, what the training was. We talked about the Navy and the Army and the success rate that they have. And in the end, the vote came out with the arbitrator that we got full practice. Wow. So you called their bluff. Called their bluff. <laughs> I love it that they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to supervise you, but nothing's really going to change. Right. right. We're going to yeah. supervise you from 
another continent. Right. Uh, uh, yeah. So I know I, I, I felt you twitching beside of me, Jeremy, because you're going, you're doing the dollar signs in your head for oh, yeah. 170 uh-huh. extra anesthesiologists. And then by God, they saw the light. They saw the light. Hmm. Isn't that yeah. something? Sometimes when it comes could. down physically and financially, I mean. Well, you know what I've always said. Whenever we were fighting physician supervision in North Carolina for the second time, I said, you know, we go to all these physicians who are supposed to be, who will have to supervise us and sign our charts. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, hey, how much are you going to get paid for supervising me? Well, guess what? Then they're like, oh, no, I don't need to supervise you, Sharon. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, you know, because <laughs> I'm not going to get paid. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so why do the anesthesiologists get paid and you don't get paid, doctor? Mm-hmm. Well, then guess what? The story changes then. Mm-hmm. So it is. Also, wow. remember that this happened 12 years ago and this is my story. And so um, this is how I remember it and how I want to remember it. And so if some one of you other people out there are listening and you listen know it differently, just um, keep it to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was, I was on the board um, yeah. at, at the time. And the story you remember is the, the story that we saw. Mm-hmm. Um, so everybody out there just know that weren't y'all the fourth one? Or within the four the services? branches of service, yes. you were the fourth one to get full practice authority. Right. So that put the nail in the coffin, yes. so to speak. Mm-hmm. So all four wow. branches of the service have right. full practice authority. But yet, just like we've talked about before, yeah. you fly across the ocean and your IQ yeah. falls. And what yeah. you did yesterday, you mm-hmm. can't do today mm-hmm. if you're working within the VA system, yeah. which makes zero. Zero sense. No. And and they still try different ways. The, the physicians will try to put their control over it. Like pain management, very difficult for CRNAs in the military in some facilities. And it's just like when people get uh, opt out in different states, they think they can do what they want. Well, no, your mm-hmm. your facility still has some say-so over mm-hmm. it. Um, it's, it's different with the practices and, and the physicians. There's a lot of really good teams out there and they're not ACTs. I forget, uh, Joe Rodriguez has a great term for them. And is it like a collaborative team or... Um, the the team model is that the doctors and CRNAs work together in the same facilities, hmm. doing we, their I own cases. There, there's hmm. a terminology that that he made he, up, <laughs> probably <laughs> um, that he made Joe, probably uh, formerly known as uh, uh, Gettysburg, Gettysburg, or as Prince. <laughs> yeah, Prince. <laughs> yeah, that's what I teach. Uh, uh, yeah, but the, the VA thing is is really irritating to me that the CRNAs in the military, and and we've talked about this earlier. I think we need to to um, weaponize them right now and bring in the CRNAs that were out in the field, out in the hospitals by themselves worldwide right. and doing heroic things. And the CRNAs that are in, in the battlefield um, environment, the types of injuries that came in, the patients that we took care of, they were not your everyday patients. Right. And um, there were no anesthesiologists in some of them. And there were anesthesiologists in a lot of locations, but they weren't supervising the care of the CRNA. They had their own hands full of the patients that were coming in. Um, there was a period of time during the war where I was there in Afghanistan where, no, you if you didn't do your own case, you know what, we're going to hold a room up. And so we never even questioned um, somebody in charge or somebody not doing anything, and we worked so well together. 
Beyond the Mask is made possible by the team at CRNA Financial Planning. With almost two decades of experience, the firm guides CRNAs through the complexities of investing and financial planning. Schedule a free consultation today by calling 855-304-3748 or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. I love the way you said that you would ask them, put it right in front of them, do you believe this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that was a perfect way to handle that situation. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you, whenever I first got involved in politics and advocacy, um, we were in a battle in North Carolina, shocker. And mm-hmm. I went to go and see the Senate Minority Leader, and some of the vitriol was coming from his constituent anesthesiologist in his district. And they had mm. sent out these very negative inflammatory letters to every single legislator about how incapable CRNAs wow. were. So the first time I went in his office and I sat down, I wanted to put it out there. I knew about the letters, and I just said, you know, I know about the letters, and we'll just not talk about those. And he said, you know what, let's talk about them. Hmm. I said, okay, what do you want to know? And he said, well, I want to know what you think about that. And I said, they don't even believe what they write. (laughs) And he goes, well, that's an interesting perspective. And at the time, I was working 12-hour shifts at a level two trauma center. And I said, the reason why I know that they don't believe what they write is they leave me in a room for 12 hours and never come to check on me or the patient or see what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So they don't even believe what they write. Right. And he just looked at me, and and it was like a light bulb went off. Now, fast forward um, 22 years. He now lobbies for us. <laughs> See, perfect. Relationships. Uh, exactly. And that relationship that you had is what saved this. This could exactly. have gone right on mm-hmm. through, and nobody would have been the wiser until it hit the fan. Until they enforce it. They mm-hmm. never enforce it. It's the same thing in the VA. They're saying that, um, nope, need to be supervised. That's how it's going to be, right? But if you go into, I'm not going to say which state because I don't want to get anybody in trouble. But in this one state, one hospital, they are supervised in their VA hospital one-to-one. It's Colorado, no. isn't it? Not There's Colorado. another one? You can keep guessing. There's 50 other states you can No, guess no, no, <laughs> but there was one there. Yes, but then if you go 70 miles down the road to the next VA hospital, it's mostly um, retired CRNAs from the Navy that come there, but it is all CRNAs. They have very few anesthesiologists who mostly don't come in except to sign the papers, and <clears> they do very well. And then you go another 120 miles into the middle of wow. the state, and there's another VA, a much bigger one, and they have um, a team model with anesthesiologists and CRNAs, and they work very well together. And um, But the same thing, nights, weekends, holidays, and, and uh, you know, they're, CRNAs. They're, it's all CRNAs. But the problem they were having was that um, we didn't have prescriptive authority. Okay, it's Virginia. We didn't have prescriptive (laughs) authority at the time. And they were saying, you know, this would really help us because the CRNAs, in order to practice in their own state in that VA hospital, had to get a license in, I think it was Maine or... Uh, I think it was Maine. They had to get a a license in Maine to get prescriptive authority and bring that license into the federal facility in Virginia. 
And so while they didn't want to listen to us when it was us talking, but now you have constituents in your state that have to go out of state to get something to practice in your state, it didn't make sense. And so we ta we were able to work through it. And um, Howie Goodwin and, and the and Kathy Harrison on that GRC team. I mean, we it was a hard battle, but we won it with um, unanimously in the state, um, the Senate, and the House of delegates. I mean, it went straight through because it made sense what we were asking, and it wasn't taking any dollars out of their pockets. I think that's the biggest thing right there. But it went wow. through, you know. So, um, but there you have in one state three different practice models for the same facility that's saying they, nationwide we shouldn't have full practice authority. It's convenience. So it's just left up to the facility. Apparently so. Yeah. I do not work for the VA, so I can't speak for them. I just know that this is what they're telling us their practice model is. Mm -hmm. um, it's frustrating for, and there's a lot of great CRNAs that, are, that spend their time in the military that would not mind coming home and working in a VA because right. they're used to taking care of them in the military treatment facilities during their career. But yet, as soon as you take your uniform off and try to get a job in there, it doesn't work. Yeah. Wow. You know, the same patients that you were just taking care of in the middle of a combat area, you come home and now you can't, unless you have a physician standing next to you, you can't anesthetize the same in person. In a tent with a cot yeah. with limited means, <laughs> and now you come back home and you've yeah. got all your stuff. Yeah. So I guess it doesn't matter if you're out in the field. Right. It matters if you're in the hospital. No, it matters yeah. if you're in the U.S. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Yeah, we can't practice That's here. That's crazy. Yeah. Hmm. But yet some of the VAs have CRNAs practicing independently. What do they want? What is the message they're trying to get across? That's what I don't understand. So it almost seems like the anesthesiologists that are the loudest mm -hmm. kind of control this issue at the VA mm -hmm. to me. Hmm. Hmm. Can't get nothing over on you, can Tell we? You. <laughs> <laughs> It's amazing just to, to kind of watch this because it absolutely makes no logical sense at all. No None. evidence, but a lot of economics. Right. Yeah. Well, when you look at the fact that the VA, the Veterans Health Administration, is the largest health care system in the United States, they right. cannot allow that to happen. No. And something's got to change. I mean, ultimately, it's got to change. And there's enough work for everybody. Absolutely. There's absolutely enough work. And the fact that some of these practices work so well together, um, it's not all of the anesthesiologists. No. But if it comes down to a public vote. Ducks, ducks vote with ducks. With ducks. <laughs> we learned ducks something vote today, yeah. didn't ducks. we? Yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Uh, Dan, do you huh? have any concluding thoughts? <laughs> As I hit Jeremy. <laughs> I saw her hit him, by the way. <laughs> Jeremy, if you need a witness, I'm, I'm, I got I'm here it. for All you. All right. Thanks, Jen. <laughs> uh, no, right now I, I, uh, I appreciate the opportunity to uh, tell my story. I think that a lot of people think it's always been there and it hasn't. Um, I don't think people understand the hard work that some folks do to make sure you have um, your practice is intact. And, and I heard the term a couple of weeks ago, professional home. And we are the professional home for CRNAs. And um, no one's going to take care of you like your mama. You know, it's yep. um, your family is the only way you're going to be able to preserve yourself. And, and uh, if you want the value of membership, this one thing will keep me a member for life. It's, it's um, you know, when they try to take something away from you, that seems to be when people get more feisty. Yes. And True. So, um, so I guess last words, you know, support the PAC, support the AANA. Um, you don't know when you're going to need them. Yep. Um, and so we have to be there for each other. Great words of wisdom. Jan, thanks for being on today. We appreciate it. 
Thanks sure. for all the good that you do. Thanks Thank for you. your yeah, service. Absolutely. She's got so many more great stories. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. And I'll just, We're just I'll, tip I'll of the iceberg. Hit, yeah. Here. You know, on 9-11, she was doing triage at the Pentagon. Nah, I, I was not. Yeah. Well, you were. See, now Sharon's making a good story. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> no, I was, um, actually, I was doing a tonsillectomy on a 22-year-old kid when the plane hit um, the buildings in New York, and uh, my husband was actually in the Pentagon uh. that day, and um, once I knew he was okay, I went to work at one of the surrounding hospitals, so we took care of um, 16 firemen who had suffered just from the heat, and a couple of soldiers from the Pentagon who had smoke inhalation because mm. the fog, they, 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 our military, my military geeky friends out there, the fog of war, um, they had heard that the primary hospital was overrun with patients and stuff, and they didn't get any. And so mm. they were feathering the, the injuries that they did have um, to other hospitals, and we got some of them. And these firemen were so heroic. They, they came in uh, basically just gasping for air, and they needed fluids, and they wanted a 14-gauge in each arm, give them fluid, and give them their jacket so they could they go could back. Oh, my um, there were not sur- there were Either you walked out or you didn't survive. It was, you know, y- you had one or the other. Wow. And so um, while I would like to say I did know, it was um, General Horaho who was the, um, she was an Army nurse who was out there, and she took charge of it, and she was our guest speaker. She became the oh. first uh, female nurse surgeon general for the Army, or oh, wow. maybe the second, the second nurse, but... Um, she did the triage, and she's amazing. And she came to AANA in 2016 mm-hmm. and spoke to the group about um, nursing and what you can do out there. You know, just wow. have to march out there and do it. Wow. Well, wow. Have, you've met Jan's husband, yes. haven't you, Chip? Yep. So I want to give a shout out to Stud Muffin. <laughs> He's my wooby. He's my wooby. He's definitely yeah. He is. He is. He is absolutely a treat. And my son, and whenever my son, who's a pilot, gets around, uh, Chip is his name. I just call him Stud Muffin. He calls himself <laughs> Stud Muffin um, because he flew the stealth. I, oh, I have wow. to Very take cool. a water hose. Oh, I'll bet. Uh, <laughs> Salivating. To, to them because yeah. Brett was just right on him asking yeah. all of these questions. That's Fighter really pilot. Cool. Yeah. Husband, yeah. You didn't have a snowball's chance. <laughs> you were going to fall for that. It was like Top Gun, and, wasn't it? Yeah, he was. He was. <laughs> is, is. Sorry. Is, 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 is. yeah. That's Jim, right. You're still a stud muffin. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so. uh, goodness. Well, Sharon, I think it's a wrap. I think so. You want to close us? You go ahead. I don't okay, want to I'll take your job away. All right. well, we want to thank you for listening to Beyond the Mass with Jeremy Stanley and Sharon Pierce. If you like our show and want to help us grow, Sharon, how can they help us grow? Well, the best way is to leave us a review, but make it positive. There's enough negativity Absolutely. in this world. Absolutely. Share us on social media. Tell your friends. We're in the top 50 medical podcasts in the country, and we want to go to number, number one. There you go. That's right. Until next time. It's a wrap.
As a CRNA, you spend years preparing yourself for this career, so we don't want to see you lose out on any of the income you've worked so hard to earn. The best way to protect yourself and give you the confidence that a major life event won't disrupt your financial future is through disability insurance. We've known disability income specialist Robert Smith for many years and have seen the work he's done with nearly 2,000 CRNAs over multiple decades. He can help identify any gaps in your existing coverage and fill those gaps by finding the best value on a policy. Contact Robert and let him know you heard about him on our podcast. Send him an email at rsmithjr at financialguide.com. That's rsmithjr at financialguide.com. Or call him at 504-394-6557. Protect your greatest asset as a CRNA, yourself and your ability to earn a living by adding disability insurance to your financial plan. Today's show is brought to you by the folks at CRNA Financial Planning, an independent consulting firm that offers financial planning services exclusively to CRNAs and their families. From planning for a child's future college expenses to building a predictable income stream in retirement, the firm is committed to offering you comprehensive financial services, customized to fit your unique needs and objectives. If you have questions about your financial future, get them answered. Call the team at 855-304-3748. That's 855-304-3748. Or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. Hi, this is Jackie Rolls, President of the International Federation of Nurse Anesthetists and President and Founder of Our Hearts, Your Hands, a global anesthesia support community that takes donations to allow nurse anesthetists in low and middle income countries to go to educational programs, buy equipment or textbooks. Your donations are tax deductible and we would appreciate your support. OSA EMR is a free anesthesia EMR developed by CRNAs that you can download and use on an iPad. Our nonprofit mission is to make sure that solo and small practice CRNAs can digitally record their anesthetics. To learn more, visit OSAEMR.com to download and consider donating to our cause. Remember, for CRNAs, data is destiny. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere you like to listen to shows. Also, be sure to check out beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Each episode is posted there with a corresponding blog post, and we timestamp important parts of the episode to help you quickly get to the content you're looking for. Also, check out the special series section on the site. You can follow along and catch up on the CRNA History Series, episodes specifically about political conversations in the industry, or try the CRNA Personal Finance Series. It's all on beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And if you have a question for the show or want to be a guest or even suggest a particular topic, fill out the contact form on the site or send an email directly to us at info at beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And lastly, let's take the conversation social. Check out our Beyond the Mask podcast Facebook page and Facebook group.